0: Positive. It's 2001, and a man is sitting in the who-wants-to-be-a-millionaire hot seat. If you're wrong, you lose. He's looking nervous, mumbling and stumbling, thinking out loud. I don't think it's a gigabit. He's just been asked the question. I don't think it's an animal. A number one, followed by 100 Megatron. zeros, is known by what name?
1: I don't think it's Megatron. I'm sure it's Google. <laughs>
0: I have no idea what the answer is, and it seems like this guy isn't so sure either. But there's a lot more at stake for him. I mean, it's the only chance I'll ever have of winning a million, but it's a hell of a chance. Charles, downside.
2: it's also the only chance you'll ever have of losing 468,000 pounds.
0: <laughs> if he gets this answer point. wrong, he's yeah, losing half, half a million pounds. Million. You'll go That's like $700,000 US. No, it's a, it's a Google. Tell me it's a Google. Final, Final answer. answer. Final answer.
1: Please don't go for a break. Please do not go for a break. Please don't. You're going to
3: go for a break. (laughs) I'm going for a break. Oh, God!
0: This was the signature move on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Just as the contestant was about to have their life changed, for better or for worse, the host, Chris Tarrant, would cut to commercials to keep the tension high. Except this was no ordinary cut to the commercials. What Chris Tarrant didn't know is that the man sitting in front of him, the man mumbling and stumbling his way through the answer, was about to pull off what some people think of as the most legendary heist in television history. You
2: never expected a British Army serving major to come on television and try and steal a million pounds.
0: I'm Alzo Slade, and from something else, this is Cheat, the series that tells the stories behind some of the world's biggest scandals and tries to answer the question Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In this episode, we're going back to the early 2000s to find out about an army major accused of trying to steal a million pounds. But this isn't your average high story. With fake IDs and people cracking safes and breaking into buildings late at night, this guy wasn't doing any of that. He walked straight into the place was handed the money and walked out. In fact, it all took place on television, in front of a live audience and with cameras catching every moment. This guy was accused of hustling millions of people, a robbery of Britain's most beloved quiz show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
2: On the very first show, I gave somebody £64,000, which was an unknown amount of money to be given away on television already in those days.
0: This is Chris Tarrant, the longtime host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Back in the 90s, he was working as a radio DJ when he was approached by a producer with an idea. How about we do a quiz show where the prize is a million pounds? It'd never been done before. At first, Chris wasn't interested.
2: It sounds absurd now because I was very nearly the man who turned down Who Wants to Be a Millionaire.
0: Eventually, the producer managed to convince him to do a pilot.
2: It was called Cash Mountain, and... I actually remember sitting there thinking, this is quite good. I quite like
0: this. And so he signed up to do the first series. The name of the show had changed. That terrible title, Cash Mountain, was out. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? In. But would it be a success?
2: Bear in mind, only one show had ever gone out anywhere in the world. And the morning after the first show, as I walked up the hill in Wembley, a lorry driver came past me, wound the window down and went, Phone a friend.
0: Phone a Friend was one of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire's most famous catchphrases, and it had caught on after only one show. It was a phenomenon.
3: I completely adored
0: Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I thought it was just the most amazing, simple concept, really, as a game show. This is James Graham, a playwright and screenwriter. He was so intrigued by the popularity of the millionaire format and this story that he released a TV show about it in 2020.
3: Concept is really, really simple. It goes back to almost the basics of quizzing and question and answers. And if you remember actually at the time, in the late 1990s, all modern game shows in Britain and the US and across the world were these reality TV shows, things like Big Brother where you put people into a house and you torment and psychologically torture them for a month or you drop people out of planes onto desert islands. And here was just a quiz show. It was just, uh, do you know the answer or not? And I remember watching it absolutely baffled. You know, this is a soap opera. This is a drama night after night. You're watching people
2: laying their lives on the line for whatever amount of money they needed.
0: So this is how the show works. Once you're in the hot seat, you have 15 questions to get to the top prize. And each question corresponds to an amount of money, 100, 200, 3, 5, 1,000, gradually building up to the top prize of a million pounds. At any point, you can choose to take the money you've stacked up. But if you answer incorrectly, you lose everything and you're back to broke.
2: One of the great simple things that's actually done quite a lot now, but I don't think it was ever, ever done before, was where the answer to every question, you know, the key to your next rung of wealth is there on the screen.
0: This format is cool to me because all of the answers are right there in front of you. Every question is multiple choice and you choose one of four answers. And you have three lifelines. You can phone a friend, which lets you call anyone you choose and ask them for help. It could be your mom, your cousin, your brother, your sister, your third grade school teacher. Then there's 50-50, where they take away two of the wrong answers. And finally, ask the audience. The audience votes on the right answer. Usually game show audiences sat behind the camera, but on Millionaire, the audience surrounded the contestant and they made it almost obnoxiously dramatic with the music lighting and suspenseful pauses. It was a very intimidating environment.
3: So you just get two people, the host and the contestants, sat in the middle of this amphitheater, where the audience is is craning over you. It's quite gladiatorial. And actually, one of the most exciting things about the design is the lighting. And in the first, easier questions, it's this quite um, bright, nice blue, but actually, as the questions go on and get harder, most people probably don't realize it, but they get much, much darker. So that by the time you get to the million-pound question, it's this really intense black. And then, of course, you have the music, this gu gung gu pulse that's actually vibrating through the floor, through the console where the contestants are sat. So the poor contestants are sat there feeling this pulse as they go on television to try and widdle those huge amounts of money. It's gripping, it's fantastic.
0: And Tarrant was the puppet master, teasing the audience, building the tension, and probing the contestants.
2: And you're actually in control of people's lives. It's not just about people winning, you know, 250,000 or a million or whatever. It was often the much smaller sums of money, but actually just changed somebody's life. It was just a thrill. I mean, I
0: loved it. And they were really watching at home. At the show's peak, a third of the UK population was tuning in. A third. That's like 19 million people. And you have to remember, this was pre-streaming, binge-watching. You actually had to wait each week to get your fix. This was appointment television. One family tuning in each week was the Ingrams. Major Charles Ingram and his wife Diana lived in southern England with their three young daughters. Diana was from a family who loved game shows.
3: Her dad appeared on lots of TV game shows when they were younger. And her and her brother were sort of continuing with that tradition, carrying that flame
0: Her brother actually went on Millionaire and won 32,000 pounds. And Diana, she did the same just a year later. It's like game shows have become a bit of a family business, or maybe more than a bit. Diana Ingram, Charles' wife, had
3: begun writing a book. They had a publisher, and she was writing it with her brother after appearing on the show to give hints and tips about how you get selected, how you use the phone lines and what you do when you get to the studio, what the experience of being on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is like. They are certainly representative of a a kind of person for whom, for a very brief period of time, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire became their complete life.
0: But despite the family's obsession, Diana's husband, Major Charles Ingram, hadn't really caught the millionaire bug. Charles was an army man, trained at Sandhurst, one of the top military schools in England, and he had risen through the ranks to the position of major. Who is a, a very algorithmically
3: cliché military man. He uses lots of military metaphors. Is a bit
0: bumbling. Imagine Mr. Bean in a military uniform. This guy was definitely not quiz show material. In fact, he says he never actually really watched the show. But Diana was adamant. Remember, it's the family business. She told him, Charles, you need to go on. And somehow, he got talked into entering millionaire.
2: And I just remember thinking with him, Oh God, this poor bloke, the peer pressure on him from these other two, you know, who obviously are really into it and won lots of money. This bloke is not the brightest, this is not the sharpest, you know, sword in the regiment at all. So we thought, if he's got any sense, he'll look at the first question and go, Thank you very much, Chris, I've had a very nice time, I'll take four grand and go. But of course he didn't.
0: Not only did the Major stick around, he was about to run the board and possibly run one of the most ridiculous cons the British public had ever seen. More on that after the break.
3: Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, And this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Welcome to True Spies.
2: Who was fastest? Charles Ingram oh. in three, three <laughs> point nine seven? That's so fast. Great. <laughs> well Charles. <done, Josh>. <laughs> what a million pounds. <laughs> He's <Fast> Charles Catholic.
0: <laughs> in September of 2001, Major Charles Ingram found himself in that dark tent studio, his wife staring down at him in the audience, cheering him on. Fifteen questions, three lifelines. He
2: gives me all 15 correct answers.
3: He didn't do particularly well that first night. I
1: really haven't got a Scoobies. No, really. Now you got the audience. You can ask the audience.
3: He uh, used, um, I think, two of his lifelines. He dashed the audience.
1: Yep, yeah, Chris, I'd like to um, ask the audience, please. Okay, audience, let's
2: see if you're he up used on. Used to phone, your phone, phone a
3: friend. Oh, hello.
2: Gerald. Speaking. Hello, it's Chris Tarrant here on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Good evening.
0: He struggled on a question about a soap star, one on the location of a river...
1: Gerald, hi. Um, the river Foyle is found in which part... ...in the language United of
0: the Norman American Conqueror. I
1: believe it's French, but it's a bit tricky, this one, because I think they, although they might have... He managed to
0: North get up to 4,000 pounds when the horn sounded, marking the end of the episode.
2: It's the right answer. So you got 4,000 pounds. Okay, Charles you've got... God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no.
0: He'd have to return to the yep, studio the next day. Great
2: news, Charles. You're coming back tomorrow. You.
0: But based on the first night, the production team, who had done this so many times before, weren't expecting the major to go much further.
1: So there was a bit of a sense with the major, we thought, oh, he's really struggling. Yeah, and what we rehearsed was he will be on for maybe one, two questions more.
0: Then he'll be off. So we rehearsed him walking off. This is Phil Davies, the floor manager that night. It was Phil's job to be the eyes and ears of the director down in the studio. What Phil didn't know is that the major and his quiz-mad family had a plan. One that they were going to put into action overnight. A new approach, so to speak. So when the major arrives back at the studio the next day, he seems like a changed man.
2: He's got eight questions to go until the million. He's still got one lifeline intact. He's got that 50-50. Charles, lots of luck tonight? Let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
3: I think even he would admit he began playing the game slightly differently. He would, he would talk his answers through. I think it's Switzerland. He had this very unusual style of answering the questions. He would always list all of the answers, A, B, C and D. Uh, It could be France, I suppose.
1: Then again, it could be Italy, so...
3: Um, Or maybe it's the Netherlands. And (laughs) then he would list them again, list them (laughs) again. (laughs) And and sometimes he would select a particular answer. Uh, I'm going to go for A1. Yep.
1: Final answer.
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Are we on the main strategy, or the sub-strategy? Oh, I rather right. lost
1: the plot here of your, yeah. of your campaign. It's a slight, slight detour at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> okay. A lot of money
3: and times. then uh, be absolutely committed to you that. He would say, hard. I'm going to choose He's this. Hard. It's almost my final answer. And then immediately pivot to a different answer.
1: Now I'll go Craig David. <laughs> yeah. Final answer. I'm going to guess Craig David.
0: I mean, final this line. was a bold move. To guess is brave enough. But to ignore your gut instinct when you have no clue? Was even wilder.
2: You just won 32,000 <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, pounds. He was quite a different animal on day two. He seemed much more tense, thinking now he didn't really know a single answer outright at all, all the way through, all the way through to the end.
0: But it did seem to be working. He had used up all his lifelines, but he kept going fumbling his way through the questions and taking a punt on the answers. When he got to the 500,000 mark, which is already a stunning amount of money that most people would have walked away with, he was asked. Baron
2: Haussmann is best known for his planning of which city? Rome, Paris, Berlin,
0: Athens. I think it's Berlin. He wasn't sure of the answer, but he was leaning towards Berlin. Think it's Berlin. He was just about to give Berlin as his final answer. I think it's Berlin. <laughs> it could be Paris. You give me the right answer. And then at the last <laughs> moment, he changed his mind. Again. Paris.
1: Yeah, I'm going to play. Yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Paris. You were convinced it was Berlin. I know. I know. I, I think I was wrong. I'm going to go for Paris. Final answer. Final answer.
2: You had two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. You did not need to play this question. You thought it was Berlin. 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 You change your mind to Paris. That brought you 500000
0: The atmosphere was electric. The audience had never seen anything like it.
2: We never had anybody who seemed to know nothing and yet kept playing. And I just thought he was an extraordinarily mad, eccentric, brave guy.
0: Finally, he'd made it to the one million pound question, outdoing his family and the expectations of the crew. His final question was, a number one followed by a hundred zeros is known by what name? I don't think it's a gigabit. He wasn't sure. Would he be bold and go for it once again, risking everything? I mean, it's the only chance I'll ever have of winning a million, but it's a hell of a chance. Charles, it's
2: also the only chance you'll ever have of losing 468,000 pounds. But just put that
1: into
0: the equation. Tarrant tried to remind him how much was at stake here, but he carried on regardless. In the audience, his wife had her head in her hands. She looked worried.
1: I'm going to play Google. Yeah. Final Final answer. answer. Final answer. Please don't go for a break. Please do not go for a break. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) You're going to go for a break. I'm going for a break. Oh,
2: God!
0: The show cut to the commercial break, and Ingram had to wait for the answer that could change his life. The program wasn't recorded live, So what's even more crazy is that at this point, they rehearsed him winning a million pounds, how the check would be handed over, where he'd have to walk and everything. So if the answer was wrong now, he would definitely feel like an idiot. He knew he would lose 468,000
2: pounds if he was wrong. He then went for Google mainly because he'd never heard of it and he'd heard of the other three.
0: At this point, his wife looks sick in the audience. Think about what a difference a million pounds could make in their lives and her husband has decided to risk it all.
2: Charles, give me that check. 500,000 pounds. (laughs) You no longer have that. you just won one million million!
0: Boom! Glitter cannons go off. Sparkles are falling all over him. The major is crying, hands over his face. His wife is invited down to celebrate with him. Chris Tarrant, the presenter, hands him a check for one million pounds and the crowd goes wild.
2: One million pounds.
0: He's only the second person in the program's history to reach a million. This dude, who everyone thought was a bumbling idiot, a bit bland and unlikely to get very far, had played the most daring and exciting game in the show's history. This was what the show was all about, changing the lives of normal people.
2: How you got a Diana? that you were going, you went to hell and back out there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Their life would never be the same again. Outside, a limo was waiting to take them to the Langham Hotel in central London. Five stars with all the luxury. Champagne, a fancy dinner, room service. I'm sure they discussed what to spend the money on. Maybe a holiday, a house, a new car. He told Tarrant that his children were desperate for a pony. They could each have one now. But back at the studios, no one was celebrating. It was just pretty much silence
1: amongst all the technical crew in the studio. We'd never seen anything like it.
0: More on that after the break. Let's rewind back to that winning moment.
2: You just won one minute.
0: And away from the glare of the studio lights, behind the cameras, to where the production crew are watching. On the second night, Phil Davies, the floor manager we heard from earlier, was happy. Everything was running smoothly. But then, someone told him there might be a problem.
1: My assistant came up to me and said, Phil, something's not right here. That's when I started to think about it in a different way. She said, he keeps getting things right and he, he doesn't know what he's doing and yet he's still getting the, the questions right.
0: Remember that this TV crew knew their program inside out and this just wasn't playing out like it usually did. It was her who said, we think somebody's coughing. Coughing? <laughs> what was the big deal? People coughing in the audience all the time. And if it's too noisy, wouldn't you just remove them?
1: All this talk that was building in the production
0: gallery and so on was saying, yes, we think there's a, uh, someone in
1: the audience who's coughing. Um, can everyone look out for someone in the audience who's coughing? And I was, I was thinking, no, it's not the audience. I can see the guy. I can see who it is. It's, um, it's this contestant. could see
0: that it was actually Tekwin Wittock. Tekwin Wittock was one of the fastest finger contestants. These are the contestants who sit around the edge of the millionaire arena. They're next in line for the hot seat when the major's turn is finished. He was a middle-aged white man, mousy hair, glasses, sat a few meters away in the seats behind the major. And Phil could see him coughing at weird intervals. He thinks something isn't right here. So Phil starts to watch him.
1: It was controlled and it was systematic. And he hadn't had a cough all day. And the coughing only happened when the
0: major was
1: trying to answer... The questions.
0: The crew wanted to pause production, but they couldn't stop the whole show and keep this guy from winning life-changing amounts of money just because things seemed a bit off.
1: We had to keep going, and, and the crew were really deflated. It was a horrible feeling. It was a horrible atmosphere because we knew we, we had to keep recording, doing what we had to do. And that was counterpointed by the fact that Tarrant Kept going because he didn't know anything was wrong.
0: Chris Tarrant didn't wear an earpiece, so even if they'd want to let him know, they couldn't have. The show carried on, all the way to the million-pound win.
2: I went home quite happy, chatting to my driver all the way home. You know, million-pound winner, amazing bloke, weird bloke, but, you know, got the money and all that, so I was, I was excited. I didn't pick up on one guy coughing in the— I would never have spotted it. I'm just focused on the major and, you know, what the hell he's doing next.
0: That night, as the Ingrams sipped champagne and spent their first and maybe only night as millionaires, the production crew poured over the tapes, trying to find out what happened. What was it about this win that just didn't feel right? They played back everything, trying to figure it out. And there it was. On each question, as the major read through the answers on his screen, I think it is Paris. a cough would sure come from just beautiful. behind the major's no, head. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to play. Loud oh, and clear, always answer. on the right answer. <laughs> and the person coughing each time was Tekwin Whittuck. But it wasn't just Tekwin. On one of the answers, it seemed like the Major's wife actually tried to correct Tekwin's wrong answer with a cough of her own. No. <laughs> it was like watching a cheater's quarrel in real time. It's a
1: bit tricky, this
0: one. Could one of the most exciting, daring, and unexpected winners on Millionaire have actually been pulling off an epic cheat and using his wife to help him do it? A few days later, the celebration was cut short when Charles Ingram received a phone call to tell him that, due to irregularities on the tape, the show was being referred to the police. The broadcast was canceled, and their check for one million pounds torn up. Charles, Diana, and Tequin were all charged with conspiracy to commit fraud. They became household names, hounded in the streets. He wasn't known as Charles Ingram anymore. The papers and the public called him the coughing major. <coughs> the court case became almost an extension of the show, a spin-off drama with some of the same characters, like host Chris Tarrant, who went from celebrating with the major to jilted lover hoodwinked by his bumbling, stumbling act.
2: I answered something to one of the the barristers. Yes, in my opinion, that's probably, you know, what would happen or something. The judge leaned over and went, Oh, Mr. Tarrant, is that your final answer? (laughs) And then when he went to um, five to one, yeah, we should adjourn now until two o'clock, come back at two o'clock. Or if you would say, Mr. Tarrant, (laughs) we'll take a break. (laughs) So I found the whole thing bizarre.
3: You know, if you imagine, court cases normally are presenting evidence of, you know, CCTV of a crime, a robbery, a burglary, DNA evidence of fingerprints on weapons. This is a very strange case because they're showing clips from a game show, which is meant to be fun and light entertainment. But at the heart of it is a very serious crime.
0: Yes, a serious crime is basically a one million pound heist. And at the center of it was all of these coughs. The prosecution needed the coughs to make their case. And so they played a tape from the night in question. It was the first time anyone outside the producers and Chris Tarrant had actually watched the footage from that night. The tape, which is known as Tape G, showed that there were 192 coughs recorded in the studio that night. And that 19 of these were deemed significant. I don't even know what a significant cough sounds like, but I know all of this sounds ridiculous. That a tape of a cough will be presented in court. One particular cough the prosecution said was disguising the word no, had everyone in the gallery laughing. It was like a farce. Because
3: it was a trial all about coughing and all people were talking about for eight, nine hours a day was what makes people cough. There was a bizarre moment when actually a coughing fit broke out in the jury. And it became so uncontrollable and aggressive that the judge had to actually suspend the sitting for the day, and um, because they just had to leave, everyone was coughing. It, 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 I think, it even got through to the press gallery and, and, and witnesses just began this uncontrollable cough.
0: <coughs> At this point, the whole thing is like a circus. But in some ways, it helped the defense's case because if you start paying attention to people coughing, guess what you're gonna hear. <coughs> Coughing.
3: Another case for the defence was, of course, that the person accused of coughing, as hints about what over the over the right answer, actually did have an asthmatic condition. Teqwin Wittek does have a, an uncontrollable cough, and that was diagnosed on the stand by by. I'm afraid I don't know the technical terms. A, a coughing doctor.
0: That coughing doctor was Alan Morris, a professor of respiratory medicine at Hull University and head of the European Respiratory Task Force on chronic coughing. I didn't even know they had such a thing, but it sounds like they got the right guy on the stand, and he explained that Tequin had perennial rhinitis, a dust allergy, seasonal hay fever, and asthma, all of which would cause chronic coughing. But if the major wasn't responding to coughing signals, why was his gameplay so erratic and unpredictable? He was playing, his
3: argument was, as entertainingly as he could because there was a theory amongst the community of who wants to be a millionaire fans that the more entertaining that you were, the easier questions the producers might give you in the chair to try and keep you going for as long as possible.
0: All right, I can kind of see where the major's coming from with the producers holding out for entertainment. But there was one other piece of incriminating evidence where it kind of feels like a classic heist. It was the phone calls. Charles and Diana claimed to never have met Tequan and only saw him for the first time in court. But even though they hadn't met him in person, 38 phone calls had taken place between them, including two the night before and two on the day of the recording. The Ingrams claimed that Diana was just providing Tequan, another superfan, with tips for the show and wishing him luck. But 38 calls? For real? That seems like a lot of luck to me. And after weeks of this, Major Charles Ingram, Diana Ingram, and Tekwin Wittuk were all found guilty of trying to win money by deception. They were given suspended sentences of up to 18 months, which means no prison. But their reputations were destroyed. The next day, the Army called Major Charles and said he had to step down or they would fire him. Charles Ingram, the major who cheated his way to a million, humiliated his life in ruins. That was all nearly 20 years ago now, and the coughing major remains a household name in Britain. The majority of people thought justice had been served. That's what you want to hear, right? You know, that the cheats didn't get away with it this time, that they'd been caught breaking the rules. But as we all know, over time, stories have a tendency to change. And in this case, theories have circulated that this story wasn't as straightforward as it seemed two decades ago.
3: I think the real joy of this story for me is that myself, like almost everybody in Great Britain, when they were watching this scandal, were absolutely convinced of his
0: guilt. Here's James Graham, the playwright again. After a few years, he looked into the story again, and he started to think to himself. I feel like it's
3: so easy to to accept a certain narrative because partly because it's more entertaining to accept it. We enjoy these cheating stories. We enjoy the idea of this well-to-do English couple who tried to beat the system and got caught and got punished for doing it. There's something satisfying
0: in that narrative. But what if they weren't guilty at all? That's what James started to think. He began researching around and even talking to Charles.
3: I also think one of the myths around this story is that Charles Ingram is an idiot.
0: In fact, he took an IQ test and was accepted into MENSA, the Society for Really Smart People with High IQs.
3: But I think it is way, way, way more complicated. There are so many things that don't quite
0: stack up. That's why James wrote a play and then a TV series. The play was called Quiz, and it tried to show that maybe Major Charles wasn't as guilty as everyone thought he was. For example, take their accomplice Tequin.
3: And actually also Tekwin Wittek, the guy who allegedly knew all the answers to these questions and coughed on all the right answers, he then went in the chair to play the game and he only made it to £1,000.
0: Tekwin had a history of going on other game shows and basically bombing. He's not the kind of guy you'd want on the team. And it wasn't just that.
3: And it's a little strange that the only evidence they really had
0: was the tape of the show. And this tape had been edited by the producers, the very people the major had been accused of stealing a million pounds from.
3: So the evidence is sort of tainted. We actually don't have a really clean summary of what went on in that studio.
0: The Ingrams have always maintained their innocence and say that they're going to appeal again even 20 years after. We reached out to Charles Ingram hoping to speak with him but he said that he didn't have any interest in conducting interviews before the appeal and may not even speak to the press afterwards. We asked Chris Tarrant what he thought of the story resurfacing 20 years later.
2: I don't have any malice towards the major. Actually, I don't at all. I've never met him since. I think the more he, they protest their innocence, the more I find it hard to like them. You know, why don't they just go, yeah, okay, we gave it a try, when we got caught, I think people would respect them more for that because they are still, in most people's eyes still, they're a bunch of crooks. You know, I have no doubt at all in my own mind and any of us involved in the program, they were completely guilty and there is no other verdict.
0: This was a competition on television that didn't require superb athletic ability. This was a game show that provided a chance at fame and fortune for regular folks who are decent at trivia games you'd play at home or in a bar the lights, the suspense, and of course, the money, all of that created a subculture of obsessed fans, which makes fertile ground for cheats. Now, whether they were guilty or innocent, there's still something kind of pitiful about ruining your life over a game show.
3: I think the story of what's happened to the Ingrams is is reasonably tragic, whether they did it or or not. Deep inside us, we all worry that we're only a couple of steps away from being a bit weird as well, from falling down a rabbit hole of, of obsessiveness, whether that's about a TV program or a sport or an artist of celebrity. And, and you know, there but for the grace of God, that's not happened to, to me yet and it's not happened to you, but it maybe it happened to some of these people who played who wants to be a millionaire for whatever reason. And I, I don't know, I have great sympathy for those kinds of characters. I find it very hard to judge and persecute them.
0: Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it, and please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show, and we want more listeners. Cheat is written and presented by me, Alzo Slade. The producer for this episode is Hannah Newton. The series editor is Joe Sykes. The original idea for this show was developed by Tom Fuller. Engineering, sound design, and scoring by Martin Peralta, our design and visual team is Emma Lansdowne and Sarah De La Rue. Special thanks to Steve Ackerman, Mark Rivers, Peggy Sutton, Lazy Jacobs, and Ella McLeod.